reaching net zero emissions by 2050 seems out of reach in the absence of a major acceleration of clean energy technology innovations. India, as you know, is keenly looking at accelerating its entire innovation ecosystem and clean energy forms a major component in it. The startup ecosystem is challenging the status quo. It's audacious, ambitious, you know, it's trying to reimagine and transform the way we produce and consume and uh, not just energy, but anything. I just think we need, um, we probably need tens of companies, if not hundreds, of the size of BP and Shell just working on decarbonization. I believe that in a space like this, it's important for a company to keep disrupting not just the market, but also itself. I'm an optimist and I think uh, people might be thinking in a linear fashion, but a lot of these things happen non-linearly. So. The systems change in some of the sectors, such as mobility, is very palpable. Hi, this is Innovation Frontlines, a podcast by the International Energy Agency on the innovations and innovators that could help take us to a net zero emissions future. I'm Siddharth Singh consultant with the IA based in India, working on a range of issues that impact energy transitions. And I'm Simon Bennett, a technology analyst with the IA in Paris, leading work on energy innovation policy globally. In today's episode, we're lucky enough to have with us Somya Bhattacharya, the co-founder and chief financial officer of Sustlabs. It's a five-year-old energy efficiency solutions provider based in Mumbai, and it's tackling the challenges facing energy savings technologies in the Indian buildings sector. Now, we're going to hear shortly from Somya about the challenges of building a business in this sector. But first, I'm going to take the risk of trying to explain the technology innovation that lies at the heart of Sustlab's work. I'm going to use the kind of words you might find in an IA report. I may not get it all right, but, but Somya can certainly enlighten us about any misinterpretations. What I thought I'd do is I'd start with imagining a major industrial process like at a chemical plant that has a huge energy bill. Now, for the operator of that plant, its competitiveness is closely linked to how many widgets it can produce per unit of energy input. And if they can save a few percent of energy, then that can be worth a huge amount of money. It could be worth millions even. And that's especially true when energy prices are high, as they are today in, in 2022. Being more competitive can allow the company to expand, beat the competition, open new plants. So there's a real incentive, and that incentive has driven techniques for identifying possible efficiency improvements. And recently, it's become possible to put sensors all around plants to monitor energy consumption in real time and see underperforming processes. Now, in contrast, think about your own home. Because if you take all of the homes in the world together, they actually use almost exactly as much energy as is used in the entire global manufacturing sector. But despite our best intentions, almost nobody takes the time to identify how they can optimize energy use in their own household, even when it comes to things that don't require investments in upgrading buildings or appliances. And what's the main reason? It's that we simply don't have the information to make informed choices. Or sometimes it's because gathering the data would be much more inconvenient than than the resulting cost savings would be economic. At one time, if we cast our mind back, 
people were proposing that smart meters were one solution to this issue. And they were offering visions of flashy wall displays that would show real-time energy use for consumers, as if we needed another, another flashy screen in our lives to distract us. But however sophisticated they have become, smart meters tend to suffer from two drawbacks. They only give us information about the total amount of energy or electricity flowing in or out of the meter, the electricity that's coming in the front door, and they don't really tell us what the baseline is. So we struggle to see the impact of our good intentions in the aggregate consumption data. And if I think about my own smart meter, I think it only records with a resolution of 30 minute intervals, which really isn't good enough. Sust Labs has come up with a solution to this that's called the Ohm Assistant. And it's a device that I think clips onto the cables near your meter and constantly reads the frequencies of electricity being drawn into the home and does that with a very high level of precision. Somya and co-workers are making use of the fact that different electricity uses, like your fridge, your fan, your hot water heater, your oven, your washing machine, they actually have very identifiable fingerprints in terms of how they draw power. But that on its own isn't enough to make it useful to consumers. And they've had to make two more innovations, both of which have only become available more recently. This is a story, like with so many innovations, of an existing technology suddenly being complemented by an advance in an adjacent field that leads to a step change in performance. And those things, firstly, are machine learning, which allows SUSLabs to isolate the common fingerprints of devices from one another, and they can train the AI on big data from lots of appliances. And then each time they install a new device, it can spend a week or two reading the signals in a new home to create a baseline. And the second is you know, working with the connectivity of the smartphone that's in your pocket or your purse. The Ohm Assistant has an app that gives customers the information that they need most. It can tell them, are the appliances working as expected? Or can simple preventive action improve their efficiency? Are their utility bills accurate? Which is something that can be especially useful in India where power leaks or even theft are not unheard of. Are your energy bills forecast to change in the future? They have a forecasting function. And they do all of this without transmitting the information to the utility company itself. At the moment, my understanding is that this is installed in over a thousand homes, and that's at a price of 9,000 rupees or $100. Uh, and that app is providing a platform for SUSC Labs to offer more services and revenue streams for themselves. What I'm curious to learn from Somya is, you know, what specific jobs is this product doing for the consumers? So how were they persuaded to buy it? How is it saving energy? And let's get on with the podcast to, to find out more. Yes, you rightly explained the uh, use cases of the product. So basically, it is used for uh, predicting your electricity bill as well as uh, seeing the real-time consumption in your home. You know, at this point of time, uh, that information is not readily available. But yeah, this is not a very compelling use case. So we go one step further. We also explain the health of appliances. So basically, we kind of analyze the signatures over time to see, I mean, if it is if it is consuming i mean uh, it, are the five star rated acs or five star rated refrigerators working properly you know so those types of things also we say and yeah so 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 that makes the use case more compelling you know so users buy it for these many reasons because they can actually diagnose their appliances they can see whether the five star appliance is working fine whether they need to go for servicing so yeah so it's 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 not just a uh, information guide. I mean, yes, it, it 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 gives you information, but more and more information gives you control as well. So our users are that. So we don't have any control feature in our product. 
but our users say that we feel that we have control so so that's what impact is uh, it's having the product is having maybe you could tell us a little bit about your your current operations tell us what's keeping you busy this week uh so yeah so i am the cfo uh, i'm also the chief of data uh, in the company and i mostly handle the account i mean account not like account in finance i handle the account which are already converted like for which business development has all, already happened you know so uh, so this week it has uh, it has been schneider so schneider is one of our partners so uh, working with schneider uh, working uh, to uh, i mean managing the supply chain the data privacy uh, agreements and as well as integ- integration of our product into them so that's that's pretty much what is keeping me busy this week okay and that's interesting because i introduced you as more of a uh, a company that sells direct to consumers but maybe perhaps you're pivoting more to working with with some larger companies and integrating your product with theirs what what does your typical customer look like and how is this changing no, we are very much retail product i mean uh, our target market is still residential uh, so on an average uh, so our target market are customers which has electricity of greater than uh, 30k per annum i mean that roughly translates to 2.5k inr per month so any household which spends more than that in their electricity bill so they are our target market so on an average these uh, households will have like couple of acs or uh, and couple of geysers a uh, couple of heating devices a refrigerator so these all basic uh, appliances and off late uh, we are also partnering with big firms big corporates for example one of them is schneider so this is just for scaling our product we are still very much retail we go household but uh we are partnering with corporates just for the scale so that we actually grab the market quickly uh, that's interesting to hear somya so uh, how tech savvy are your customers typically are we talking about you know customers who already have a good understanding of what energy efficiency is or have you had to kind of educate them on on that front as well <laughs> yeah that that that's interesting you know uh, so yeah so right now our app is very uh, i mean very user friendly i mean our app is used by housewives as well as elder citizens as well so but if you would have asked me this question like one year back probably the answer would have been different you know so this has been one of the major challenge for our product team to reduce the cognitive load in the app so uh, there are many jargons in the electricity space you know even even when you uh, browse through your normal electricity bill there are many things there are many aspects which you don't understand which a normal i mean working uh, working individual will also not understand so that's that was our biggest challenge you know biggest challenge for our product team so right now we have actually worked a lot in that and made it lot simple you know uh, so as i said it can be used by even housewives and elder citizens as well okay that's excellent um, and now you know at some point of course we'll be drilling a little more uh, deep into you know some of your experiences at sus labs but before we do that we'd actually like to know a little bit more about you uh, you know you the person let's let's try to understand 
you know, where you come from, uh, what your education has been, what got you interested in energy efficiency in the first place, and also relatedly, where did you meet your co-founders and, and what led you to kind of start the uh, startup in this space? Sure. So uh, I come from a very small town, Bokaro Steel City. It's in eastern India. Uh, actually, all the three of, I mean, we are three co-founders, me, Kaushik and Rohan. So all three of us are come from Bokaro Steel City. We three of us are, uh, I mean, we, we grew up together, three of us in the same school, in the same class, in the same section. So that's how we three of us know each other, you know. So we have known each other since childhood. Uh, personally for me, so I did my electronics and communication from IIIT Allahabad. So post that, post uh, electronics, I worked in a hedge fund, DE Shaw, for three years. So I was, I was into, uh, I was a production engineer there. I was working on Linux uh, a lot. And post that, I did my MBA from IIM Indore. Uh, after I am in there, I worked in the uh, largest IT sector company in India, TCS. Uh, I worked as a pre-sales consultant in the payments division in the North American geography. So that was a very brief stint. Uh, it was just a one-year stint. And post that, I uh, post that we started up, you know. And all three of us, we were together in school. And uh, post that, we had different education. Different education. I, I mean, all the three of us are engineers and MBS. Uh, what got us into this space is uh, basically we actually saw an opportunity. You know, there's a clear gap. Uh, the the space has actually not evolved as as compared to other spaces. You know, for example, let's take the example of uh, telecom industry. I mean, uh, 20 years back, you used to have uh, the PNT phones, right? Landline phones. So there was no concept of itemized bill as such. So at the end of the month, you used to get just one number and you used to pay that. So you never knew that how much each call, uh, how much how much money you are spending on each call or whatever it is. But look at it now. I mean, it has evolved a lot. You know, you actually get to see that how much each and every call you are being billed at and how much it is costing you. So that kind of evolution we have not seen in the electricity space. The way you were paying ele your electricity bill 20 years back is the same way you are paying it now. Also. Probably only, most probably the online method has been added. That's a little evolution, but not much. So that's why we saw a very clear uh, opportunity here. There's a, there's, a, there's a very clear gap in the industry. So we thought that, yes, we can bring, bring such kind of a product, you know, which, so, which can give itemization, which can, give, which can bring trans transparency and real-timeness, so like in the telecom sector. So that's what drove us into this. And so when you launched Sust Labs, did you already have the the product in mind, the the technology that's behind the, the Ohm Assistant? Uh, or did you come up with the, the problem you wanted to solve and subsequently worked on the technology? So, yeah. So initially, we were... Uh, we were very much B2B focused. I mean, not B2B focused. I would say we were into commercial places, not residential places. So we worked with Delhi Metro. We worked with Mahindra Logistics. I mean, there were a lot of challenges, you know. Uh, I mean, we were not able to bring a standardized offering. There were a lot of customization. It was very difficult to actually, you know, scale. So that's when we realized that, no, we need to shift to residential place. 
because there's a huge gap in residential space as well so to to get to that residential place first uh, first we went through the channel of real estate developers because we thought that that is the most prudent way of reaching uh, customers but uh, i mean we started off we started off with uh, all the top you know real estate developers but there were challenges in that channel as well i mean there were huge receivables and the business was not really sustainable that's when we thought that yes now probably we need to go retail and uh, that's how we went retail you know and right now we are we are fully b2c but yes uh, like i said that we are also partnering with uh, big corporates to actually scale faster so you can say we are b2c as well as b2b2c okay so you, interesting you've come on this journey uh, from looking at different possible applications and finding out where the uh, where the business could work but if you cast your mind back to is it 2016 2017 when you were first setting up where did you manage to find some some support from uh, was there grant funding was there um, mentors that you're able to to work with in order to you know to guide you through these first steps so regarding support the first support uh, which we received was from sign so sign is basically society of innovation and entrepreneurship so it is the incubation arm of iit bombay uh, it's a it's a private entity so we were incubated in sign so that was our first external validation from any entity i mean when we started that was our first external validation so that was kind of an inflection point for us you know and uh, so sign gave us office space they also gave us a, a grant and they also introduced us to many key stakeholders in the industry you know one of them became our advisors advisor as well so the advisor connected us to many of the big corporates and so one thing led to another you know we got another advisor so the most i mean right now we are incubated in sign as well as cia ahmedabad we are part of oracle accelerator we are part of google accelerator but the major support and and the first support which came was from sign so that was our first uh, external validation great and in between you know you mentioned sign you mentioned um, google i think has there been any role for the public sector support or uh, you know government grants in that journey oh uh, yes i mean we have received government grants the dst grants basically uh, so those have come through sign sign or cia ahmedabad but yes we have received it okay okay and somya uh, if you could you know go back to again your founding year and perhaps you know the first year or so after that uh, were there any mistakes that you made that if you could turn back time you would avoid repeating this time around you know uh, so startups is basically about uh, making choices you know so some choices hit off and some don't so that's that's totally fine you know so mistakes we we obviously take mistakes as learnings so yeah i mean uh, there are a lot probably probably one of them will be that we should have gone retail probably a lot earlier uh, i mean we used up a lot of resources you know in uh, real estate sales feet on the ground and lot of lot more things so i think 
uh, we probably utilized a lot of time but there was an upside to that as well i mean we got to interact with many customers as well understood the pain points and understood how they would actually uh, what will actually enable them to uh, bring on and consider energy efficiency so so all in all i mean uh, yes there were mistakes but uh, i mean it's better we see it as a learning <laughs> so that yeah i think that's a very progressive way of uh, of looking at this but i mean uh, even at the beginning and all along the way in one of the critical metrics here is how much money uh, you're able to raise and how you're managed to to scale the business so energy efficiency isn't always the easiest sell in terms of uh, fundraising or in terms of uh, putting together a compelling business case so what challenges did you face in trying to convince investors to come on board right you are absolutely right i mean uh this is a very new space actually if i have to say it's uh, it's a challenging uh, challenging space for raising capital and if you have a hardware as well in your product so it the challenge doubles actually <laughs> so because there's a fixed cost involved so it's not very attractive to you know investors but uh, i mean it's obviously a challenge but you know out of out of all of them i think you do get some like minded investors you know who believe in this uh, vision so we 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 got few angel investors and we got few vcs as well on board because they believed in our vision and now part of our journey so yeah great um and where where do you stand now what's the what was your latest fundraising round and and where are you looking what's the next milestone in fundraising so we are already a seed funded company uh, i mean we have raised around 500k us dollars till now uh, and we are going to raise pre series a we we're recording this in in may 2022 there are there's no shortage of articles at the moment being written about the downturn in the tech sector and challenges of, of fundraising uh, particularly in the united states we have inflation we have higher interest rates how do you think that's going to impact your ability to uh, to attract that next round probably it might impact so that's why we are actually trying to close the round as quickly as possible you know it's may it's end of may so we'll probably close it uh, in another couple of months our hope i think in you know all of us in this space is that actually some of the clean energy technologies the climate tech is going to be somewhat insulated from a wider downturn by the fact that there's policy support built into this there's high expectations that we're going to undergo a rapid energy transition and that the the market is is going to grow yeah yeah i would like to add a point that yeah you talked about clean energy right clean energy space i mean uh, so so there are a lot of uh investors right now taking interest in the space as well a uh, lot of in in lot of accelerators are also coming up in the space so yeah so probably clean it's it's an opportunity for clean tech space probably and is that a change that you've seen just in the last few years would do you think it would be easier to start the business today sure why not i mean uh, since we are seeing a lot of clean <laughs> a lot of clean tech accelerators coming up and there a lot lot more focus among investors you know uh, so it's changing i mean 
when we started up in 2016 probably it was not there but at this point of time in 2022 it is there i mean definitely this space is uh, is actually uh, going to grow i would say sure um so samya now just changing uh, gears a little bit uh, we want to talk about uh, uh, you know data privacy and data security so sure. you know how have you been working to ensure the security of data for your users and also you know convince them that your business model does not actually end up uh, selling their data to third parties or maybe it does but but in a way that they are you know they're okay with so what has your approach been on this front so we take data security uh, I, I mean, we give a lot of importance to data security, you know, because the data we deal with is very sensitive in nature, you know. So, so, so we have introduced few initiatives. Uh, so, first of them is right to forget. Uh, right to forget is basically when you log into our app, by default, you are actually opted out of the services of the data sharing services. So, you are opted out. So, only if you consent. then only you will actually share your data so otherwise by default you are opted out uh, so this is probably probably we are uh, i mean we think we are pioneer in this but there may be other companies also which are doing this but yes this is something we are doing uh, and then second initiative is uh, the second thing which we have uh, worked internally is we have actually set up a data security wall you know this this we have done internally wherein uh, we have divided the Uh, our internal workforce into back end and front end so back end is basically uh, consists of the tech team uh, who are working on uh, tech who are working on machine learning and all those stuff so they will only see the meter data they will not see the user data and the front end i mean the sales or the customer success they will only see the user data and not the meter data so in this way none of our employees can actually map any uh, user with their consumption so that is what we have actually implemented uh, so it's like a security wall understood i think that's a very compelling uh, compelling approach to the problem because it's something that while in india's case we you know don't often hear uh, you know of a public outcry related to to of course data security i think as you may have ambitions to expand perhaps in the future to other countries i think it's something that uh, that would be more and more relevant uh, as your business grows and it's a great point because in in europe i know uh, it's hindered in a way the deployment of smart meters uh, some of these concerns around data security so fascinating to hear how much time and effort that you're putting into this and how relevant that is to your to your business already i mean another side to this business is that you, know, you help consumers to to save money Now you help them to optimize their appliance use, but on the flip side, some of the the retailers of electricity, the electric utilities, uh, you're costing them. You're reducing their revenue. So, what's been their response to your product? <laughs> no, no, we are not really uh, reducing their revenue. Uh, I mean, I mean, yes, we are working with few of the electricity utilities as well. Uh, so their revenue is based on the market they acquire so uh, i mean of course they they have to buy power in real uh, in real time that also cost them but uh, the most of the revenue is as per the market so so how we help the electricity users yeah they also see value in our product uh, 
and we are actually working with one of the utility you know uh, we are kind of integrating our product into them but uh, yes i agree that uh, electricity uh, utilities they don't have that kind of an adoption rate i mean the speed of adoption is not obviously we can't expect the speed and agility of a startup but yes uh, the adoption rate is slow that's that's the only thing i would want to say about electricity but of course you know there there's another angle which i think perhaps comes a little bit further down the line and that some of those utilities may see an incentive to to match in the timing of the the consumption with the timing of when they purchase electricity uh, especially as we get more renewables onto the grid so devices such as your, as yours could actually help them um, find value in in a changing electricity market as well excellent so uh, samya you know what kind of uh, government interventions or incentives in the form of regulations do you think uh are needed to perhaps unleash further investments in in this space uh because uh, you know as we, as we were discussing there of course isn't adequate incentives for at least at the utility level to ensure that uh, they help consumers or they help residences reduce energy demand so what is it that can be done and what would your recommendations be uh in general for you know enhancing innovation in the energy efficiency space sure sure i think you are right uh, uh so today you know uh, users don't really feel the need to actually uh, go for uh, energy efficiency programs or you know reduce do something for redu- reducing the demand so uh, that's probably because you know uh, electricity is very much regulated and uh, you have fixed amount of cost for everything and all those stuff so one regulation which might be very beneficial even for us is probably uh, introducing of dynamic pricing in residential space obviously we we know that dynamic pricing is there in the uh, commercial space uh, but in residential space dynamic pricing is not there so if that is introduced we think that the market on which we are operating it will get a huge boost you know people will actually feel the need of such kind of a product so if if the demand increases probably investments will also increase so that is something i feel that that regulation will definitely help us understood that's a very good point and very interesting to see that it's yeah a change in general market conditions for everybody that you think would be most powerful rather than you know a specific uh, policy that encourages take up of of products like yours or energy efficiency in particular changing the market uh in this case just changes the the incentives of of everybody um to try to adjust the you know when they when they produce and consume energy i suppose you know when you sit around the the boardroom table and you look at what your your growth trajectory might be in this decade how do you see things evolving where do you think you you go from here uh, is it going to be growing the residential business do you think there's other sectors you'd be interested in moving into or in the best case scenario would you be active uh, outside of india as well what's your what's your vision for 2030 i think we'll be in a residential space uh, but yes we will definitely go outside india not only 2030 we might go outside india in 2024 itself i mean uh, that is what our vision is and definitely we see more and more competition uh, 
coming up because uh, this this market is a very nascent i mean this is a very nascent space you know our biggest competitor i mean the biggest player in this market only has around 25000 customers so this market will also grow i feel companies will become more and more mature by end of the decade that's super interesting because you know looking at your your website and your materials it seems like there's opportunities for the the Home assistant app to become a platform for for other services so as you as you grow the company are there other services that you uh, you think you'd be able to provide to consumers and in the long run you know how close do you become to being an electricity retailer yourself uh, maybe not in india uh, given the, the market conditions but maybe somewhere else uh, yeah that that's interesting you know uh, yes that is something we uh, we have a vision a very long term vision though not a very short term vision to become electricity retailers but uh, probably that might not be possible in india uh, how we see it but uh, that's why you know we uh, we are kind of expanding into we are thinking of expanding outside india as well so probably where regulation favors there we can actually uh, i mean go go inside the market and grab the market and become like a electricity retailer okay and do you want to give us any hints of which countries might be suitable probably middle east uh, middle east countries some european countries well, we wish you every success in in achieving these visions uh, and this is an, a very exciting to be a, area to be in i'm personally not aware of any other products that are on the market like yours so it's it's great to see this innovation we're going to switch a little bit to in terms of pace because we did warn you that we're closing our our podcast interviews with a set of rapid fire questions and those are those are coming up now and siddharth and i will will take it in terms to give you the the questions and we'd like some some fairly succinct answers okay so let's kick off with number 1 Will India get to net zero emissions before or after 2070? I think it will be after 2070. Okay, that's interesting. I think uh, it's one of the rarer responses, uh, you know, uh, looking at uh, the timelines in a more, I guess, uh, realistic way. But quickly to the next question. So who do you think will be your biggest competitor in the year 2030? This could either be a company or it could also be a technology. So probably it will... this space will mature in 20 by by end of the decade so probably sense will be our biggest competitor okay. sense watch out and if it were not for energy what would you be working on water water another grand challenge we kind of touched upon this but but very quickly by the year 2030 what what is a new type of product uh, that you think you would your company would be marketing at the end of this decade we are improving on aesthetics you know we are improving a lot on aesthetics probably we will introduce some kind of a wall clock maybe wall clock in your drawing room which will show the uh, energy consumption the real time energy consumption of your home maybe and if you could collaborate with one company in india or around the world to scale up your operations from today which one would that be it will probably be google yeah i'm i'm sure i'm sure that your collaborators at google will be pleased to hear you say that Thank you so much Somya for sharing your experiences with us and we really we wish you the very best of success in all of your initiatives to accelerate the energy transition. This has been a a really interesting conversation on a, on a topic that you 
you know, there perhaps aren't enough startups, there isn't enough innovation um, in in this space. So uh, it's, I've very much enjoyed it and learning all about what your vision is and let's hope you achieve it. Thank you. Thanks a lot. Likewise, Soumya. Thank you so much. Thanks a lot. Thanks a lot. It was a pleasure. Thank you. You have been listening to a conversation with Soumya Bhattacharya, the co-founder and CFO of Sust Labs. Subscribe to Innovation Frontlines and the IEA's Everything Energy podcasts and look out for the next episode in this series on how India's clean energy entrepreneurs are identifying untapped potential for technology to drive energy transitions globally and teaching us about all of the policy challenges they're discovering that need to be overcome. You've been listening to Innovation Frontlines, a podcast by the International Energy Agency on the innovators and innovations that can take India, and indeed the world, to a net zero emissions future. Our next episodes will feature in-depth conversations with India's most promising innovators working on this global challenge.